We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's going on, Rotor Gunners? Dean here at Steen7904. If you want to get all technical on me, I'm here for the Advanced Sports Analytics Show, filling in for one man goon. We're going to be talking NFL Week 3, bringing in Stuart Gibson from Advanced Sports Analytics. Unfortunately, Brandon Adams will not be able to make it. We presume he'll be back next week. It's a, it's more of an intimate show. Stuart, nice to meet you. It's going to be a good time. So looking forward to talking some football here on a Thursday night. Yeah, man, definitely. Um... Thursday, I kind of have the uh, Thursday slate and some golf in my rearview mirror and ready to look forward to week three main slate. Um, so, yeah, excited to get that going. Yeah, we're recording this basically right when the uh, the absolutely miserable Jacksonville, Tennessee. Do they play? Th- is it are they contractually obligated to play every single Thursday night? I feel like that happens at least four times a year. 
Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but they always put like just not always, but just like the worst games on Thursday. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I'm playing it nonetheless. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, kind of a good one to just not be in front of a TV for and uh, be recording the show. Yeah, you don't want to watch the, the Jags on a Thursday night. Uh, the only thing exciting about them is their quarterback stash. But we don't care about that. We care about week three. Uh, we're talking week three NFL. We'll take a peek back as far as week two. Uh, we, were, we were talking pre-show about all the uh, – just an absolute slew of injuries, you know, spoiler alert, it's a dangerous sport, uh, a slew of injuries, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, and a couple of guys just being terrible. So they're just getting benched. Uh, big Ben, of course, going to be out for the season. Mason Rudolph taking over Drew Brees. He's got a finger. He's going to be out for at least a month or so. Uh, Cam Newton, like, he's not old anymore. He's like an old 30. All his appendages are breaking down, like the foot, the, the arm. It uh, looks like Kyle Allen is going to draw the start, at least as of a Thursday night. He's not, Cam's not practicing. And I think it's a really interesting conversation to have, especially on DK where he's 4K. And there's a lot of big spends that I'm looking at. Trevor Simeon, of course, is out. So Luke Falk's going to draw the start. Yeah, Eli Manning benched for ineptitude. Danny Dimes, it's Danny Dimes season. And then, of course, uh, I don't know if it's Josh Rosen season, but he's going to be playing quarterback as well. So uh, lots of, uh, you know, this is like, when are we, week three, six brand new quarterbacks. So... Yeah, I know we don't like talking about Corex too much when it comes to building lineups because, you know, they're all kind of sort of, I don't want to say the same, but you sort of need that separator guy just kind of like, this doesn't blow it up for you necessarily, but, you know, you need those three touchdowns. They're kind of the basis of a stack and things of that sort. But this feels like a really, uh, a good starting point, at least for week three. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's, you know, worth keeping in mind as we prepare for what the trickle-down effect is going to be to guys as part of those offenses. Uh, like we saw Chalky Camara just, absolutely bust last week and in a huge way because of the breeze absence and uh yeah I'm definitely gonna try to be mindful of you know the offenses where there is uh you know just kind of th their signal caller is going to be a little more inept than we're used to um or maybe in the case of New York more uh more <laughs> adept than we might be used to but um yeah I mean definitely a a week where there's going to be a lot of kind of uh fresh meat at quarterback um I don't know. We're seeing some of those guys like DraftKings has gone ahead and priced up already, uh, you know, with uh, Rudolph and Daniel Jones. But um, yeah, definitely going to try to take a close look at some of the guys uh, lower down. I don't know that I could really be talked into Josh Rosen, but yeah, Kyle Allen, a uh, guy that guy that sticks out. I mean, at 4K and, and like you said, I mean, I think there are some high-end skill players that we're going to want to try to pay up for. So, uh, you know, figuring out opportunities to pay down to fit those guys in, I think is going to be really crucial. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you have kind of any, any thoughts on some of these guys, uh, we haven't seen a ton of tape on many of them. Um, are there any guys, though, who, who we have seen uh, tape on that, that are kind of sticking out to you as, you know, being able to carry the torch uh, for their offense? Uh, for themselves but also for the guy you know some of the pass catchers around them or running backs who are kind of going to be dependent upon that quarterback pushing the ball uh, downfield for for their for the team yeah I mean I think the most appealing guy to me is Kyle Allen and I by no means I'm a Kyle Allen aficionado over this guy came in and played week 17 last last year uh and it's the price and this is DK specific because we've seen that quarterback you know how it's the prices get kind of sort of compressed over the years but Allen somehow was left out of the compressor he's 4k at the bottom of the floor and it's not just that, but he's on the turf and he's playing against an Arizona team, but we know how super fast they play. He's going to get an extra, I don't know, 10-ish plays or so to work with. Uh, that just makes it much more appealing. Uh, 
and then again, we'll talk about the scale position soon enough as far as our favorite guys that are popping. One of his teammates, uh, McCaffrey, who like in an age where there are no workhorse uh, running backs, dude plays every snap, which is completely insane. Um, you know, he might get run out of the ground three years from now. Who really knows? I'm totally not rooting for that. But all we care about is this week in DFS, right? Uh, you know, and he should get some extra snaps as well, too, as far as the Carolina side. And, you know, New Orleans, we don't really know. And Peyton over there is being coy as far as, like, who's going to be his quarterback. And, you know, he's got uh, – I don't know. Taysom Hill's got pictures on him or something because he's always working Taysom Hill uh, onto the field. And now there's even more opportunity. And I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we have a Taysom Hill package. We have a Bridgewater package. And as of right now, I, I think both of them are just unplayable. Also, it's way, way early as far as weather. And I hope you're sitting down, but it's projected the rain in Seattle. So, um, I mean, to me, that just seems like a complete stay away, like not worth the risk. Like what's the potential upside? Like in theory, you know, if Hill got a full compliment, and I know like I think in the the preseason he got some run and he's got some legs, which is great out of a quarterback, but I just think it's probably going to be a timeshare of some sort. Is that, That's a stay away, right? At least as of yeah. right now. Yeah, I think so. Um you know, it's just very unclear what they're going to do. And I mean, that's kind of even has been, you know, a rub against Breeze in the past is like that he does lose some equity to Taysom Hill. And um, yeah, I mean, if they're doing some sort of weird split, I mean, I don't think he can do much there. Uh, Yeah, totally with you, Kyle Allen. Uh, You know, you mentioned week 17 last year, and he actually had pretty good uh, per drop back efficiency. That was kind of his, uh, one bright spot uh, in kind of the, the small sample size we have with him. But uh, like, I don't think, uh, you know, we should be seeing Kyle Allen as a guy who can't get it done. Uh, I mean, he's certainly not going to pop like some of your top tier quarterbacks, but at 4,000, you really don't need him to, uh, you just need him to run a lot of plays uh, going up against a weak Arizona defense. Like I think, and, and an up pace Arizona offense. Like I think that's a great spot for him. Uh, Mason Rudolph, uh, not even priced up as much as Daniel Jones. And I mean, he, he looked competent last week and um, you know, he's certainly got a, uh, uh, or he's got a strong receiver to throw to in Juju and a strong run game uh, that I think can, you know, bail him out and take some pressure off of him. Um, looking at some of those guys around these new quarterbacks. I mean, how, how are you have any expectations for how guys like running backs, like Saquon or Camara who are, uh, we saw last week, like Camara's just lack of success, yeah. success tied to New Orleans' inability to get the ball near the goal line for him. Uh, how are you treating and kind of projecting for some of these players who will need their quarterbacks to succeed for them to succeed? It's funny you mentioned those two guys, and we'll, we'll go by position by position soon enough, but like uh, big, big names. But like, I think they're going to be kind of sort of lost on this slate. Uh, I've not fired up ownership projection. Of course, it's just Thursday night when recording this, but you know, CMC is a guy that's going to pop. Elliott's a guy that's going to pop. And like Cook is a guy that's going to pop as far as the running backs. At least that's my overview. And yeah, Barkley you know, is a legit, you know, talent. I don't know how like they can be less efficient for New York. Like it's probably a positive uh, getting Eli out of there. And of course, in a small sample, we've seen Danny Dimes look pretty solid. You know, he is the future of that team, obviously. And Kamara, you got to figure they're going to like do what they can to, you know, get that A dot down there and just kind of give them some like seven or eight, nine short little pass dumps, uh, you know, things of that sort. We'll take that full point in the PPR. But uh, the offense overall, and as far as touch, touchdown equity and efficiency is definitely going to take a hit as well too. So it's a bit of give and take. And, you know, sometimes it's been on the talent and he's super talented and play the ownership game. But, you know, on my, you know, quote unquote cash game lineup, like Kamara is not going to make it and Barkley's just not going to make it because they're, they're super, super talented. But for me, there's better options. And 
you know, again, this is me talking on a Thursday night, but I can't imagine that changing. Those guys in tournaments, of course, obviously, always in play. But from a, like, a quote-unquote cash game optimal perspective, they're just not better plays than Elliott than, than, and McCaffrey. That's sort of where I'm at on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Kamara is a guy who draws a lot of equity from just his, his uh, you know, dynamic role in the red zone with New Orleans, you know, through the air and on the ground. And, like, I don't know, we saw last week, and I just I can't trust that New Orleans offense to put him in a position to succeed. And, yeah, sure, I mean, I'll take seven, you know, five-yard catches from Kamara, but uh, at, what is he at, 8,000 8, this week? I mean, you want him to get some touchdowns, and I, I just can't see New Orleans really having a ton of opportunities to do those, uh, do that. Whereas I think, like, Saquon uh, probably gets an improvement with Danny Dimes, and like you said, McCaffrey just in such a great spot where – I'm not as concerned about kind of the uh, impact that a new quarterback's going to have on his ability to get uh, high value touches in the red zone near the goal line. Just a little side note. I saw somebody tweet this out and I'd like to shout out, but I don't remember who it was, but uh, when Allen did play week 17 last year, that was, I think Carolina had nothing to play for and they actually gave McCaffrey a reprieve. He only had 10 snaps. So what Allen did last year was basically uh, without McCaffrey. So, you know, if you want to use those, the one game sample size for what it's worth, you know, just McCaffrey was not on the field uh, basically the entire game uh, working our way down as far as other injuries that went down and things that will definitely affect things as far as week three. And again, we'll do with our position by position. We didn't forget about Mahomes or, or L Jacks. We didn't forget about the game. We'll, we'll talk about that game soon enough. Obviously that's, that, that should be a lot of fun for sure, obviously, but uh, running backs, you know, the situation in Kansas city, McCoy and Williams, who we know what's going to go down there. Uh, you know, Darwin Thompson was a preseason darling, a best ball darling. Did you fire all those best balls? That, I never dabbled. I always wanted to, but it just never happens. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of uh, fallen out of like season long stuff. Uh, it's just like the amount of time you put into it and the potential payoff uh, for me has just like never been that high. And I kind of much rather at this point would just be like focusing on daily stuff week by week. Uh, so yeah, never something I really got into. You also have that equity like tied up to like what, five months or so or something like that was zero interest in theory, you know? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of... Like, just sort of one point to work on that as well. But they're fun, and you get to take those Twitter victory laps with people, which people love to do as well. Uh, I mean, we don't have anything definitive. It's Thursday night, but keep an eye as far as that KC backfield. And, I mean, good Lord, uh, Devin Singletary, if he doesn't play, by no means do I want to play Frank Gore. <laughs> but, like, if Frank Gore has that backfield more or less to himself uh, in a game that we're expecting a positive game script against a Cincinnati team that's not, to, you know, we don't think is very good necessarily. Six, You know, we like home favorites. I know in the year uh, 2009, 19, maybe 2009, <laughs> Frank Gore is somebody on your radar, but, uh, you know, not sexy by any means. But if he gets 20 touches, is he somebody that's worth a look if a Singletary doesn't go? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely worth a look. Um, I am wary just of these quarterbacks that, I mean, I kind of fell victim to it last week with Mark Ingram, where I was just like, oh, you know, who's going to take touches from Mark Ingram? You know, it's not going to be Gus Edwards or Justice Hill. I was like, oh, but I forgot that there's Lamar Jackson. And uh, I don't know. I, I like I'm not sleeping on Kyle Allen by any means as a guy who can't factor into the run game for Buffalo. And, um, you know, I think he he's kind of a viable guy who could uh, vulture touchdowns from, you know, a prototypical goal line back. But yeah, I mean, at 4,400, like I, I'm obviously going to give him a look. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think kind of and we can get into running back, but I, you know, I, th I think I'll probably be more inclined to try to pay up at running back. Um, but I think it'll certainly be in play for me uh, in some of my lineups. 
Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm doing it is because I boost an opportunity, positive spot, and, like, you know, you can't just play all the best dudes, right? And so, like, I don't want to play Frank Gore. Again, I want to be very clear. I'm not playing the flag. But uh, begrudgingly, uh, I, I might click that button. Uh, additionally, as far as receivers, and this will sort of dictate the slate as well, too, as far as opening up salary, uh, Philly is looking completely beat up. It looks highly unlikely, highly questionable that Deshaun Jackson will give it a go this week. Ditto with teammate Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, that should open the door for plenty of more snaps for, uh, you know, our, our, uh, Nelson Aguilar and Whiteside as well. Um, it, it's, and also Goddard is questionable to the tight end. Looks like all three of those guys are probably going to miss. Um, like Aguilar is going to be one of the most popular players in the slate, which is, that's just how DFS works sometimes. And Ertz is going to see, I don't know, 15 <laughs> targets. Uh, how does this affect the, you know, the target tree for Philadelphia if those guys are all out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy how much, um, you know, usage Alshon Jeffrey and now you add in Deshaun Jackson absorb for Philadelphia. Um, you know, they, they're like, they both draw just a ton of targets and a ton of air yards. Uh, I mean, we have, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeffrey in the last year uh, in two, these two weeks, you know, it was up near 20% of Philadelphia's targets. And, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Jeffrey account for kind of the most air yards on the Philadelphia team. Uh, trying to figure out where those are going to go, like, I think will be one of the keys to the slate. Uh, you know, I, I really like Ertz a lot. Uh, he's just, <clears throat> you know, always kind of top of mind for Carson Wentz. He, he leads the team in target share. And I kind of just expect that number to boost even with uh, those two guys out. And, you uh, you know, and, and, and also it's just like a really big component in the red zone for Philadelphia drawing uh, over a third of Philly's red zone targets over the last year plus two weeks. And um, yeah, with, with, with Jeffrey gone, like I think that opens up a lot of red zone opportunity for Ertz, which is already, you know, he, he kind of controls that uh, market to begin with. And um, as you mentioned, Nelson Aguilar, uh, I think is a guy who could really factor in for Philadelphia. He, uh, you know, gets, gets a lot of kind of, uh, downfield. Well, I don't know. He gets a lot of looks and he also, I think is more of a downfield. I kind of think of him as a, uh, you know, short, short yardage receiver, but he, he does factor into kind of the Phillies air yard share as well. Uh, Mac Hollins is another guy that's kind of popping, um, you know, in, in kind of his first two games this year where he's, uh, factoring into Phillies, uh, target tree and also getting some downfield looks, uh, both out of the red zone and in the red zone for Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, those, those are kind of three guys I'm looking at in that order. Um, I know, uh, you know, I've heard some kind of rumblings with JJ Arcega Whiteside. I honestly don't know that much about him, but he hasn't really been a, uh, you know, big player in the Philadelphia pass game. So um, I don't know. I, I kind of would prefer just to go with known quantities like Ertz, uh, who's not even like priced that high this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar. And then, you know, if I'm going to take a flyer on kind of one of the young Philly receiver, Mac Hollins has looked good so far. And I think that's, uh, you know, an interesting spot to attack us as well. Yeah, Arcega Whiteside did have 75 snaps last week. And that's the most important thing, opportunity. Like talent is for me is like secondary. Like they're all talented to various degrees, but opportunity and volume. And, uh, you know, 75 snaps doesn't mean he's going to get, you know, the same 30% throws his way. He doesn't necessarily need that either. And, I think it's nothing else. He's a really interesting pivot off Aguilar if you play the ownership game. Um, mm-hmm. Because what, he's $100 cheaper on DK I'm looking at right now. And, you know, if he's going to be on the field for 70 snaps or so, give or take, he definitely is worth a look if nothing else. 
a couple other guys that we wanted to mention before we're going to do a little screen share quickly as far as you know show uh you want to show that the app there as far as what's going down at the uh, advanced Sport analytics uh, just kind of clarify a couple of things show the people yeah. some things how to work the uh, the app over there oh, chime in what were you saying yeah sure we, we can do that now um maybe like the last injury i want to touch on just michael gallup being out yeah um in dallas you know i think that's a big injury he's uh He's been a beast for Dallas so far this year, and I think that's going to open up some opportunities for, uh, you know, obviously like Randall Cobb and, uh, you know, Devin Smith kind of caught, uh, maybe caught lightning in a bottle last week, but, um, you know, seems to be, uh, you know, a guy that kind of we could look at at the lower range uh, for maybe a pivot off Randall Cobb. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you have any other thoughts uh, with Dallas so yeah i have some thoughts in this game in general like overarching thoughts and i guess we can get it out here let's kind of throw it out there and as far as smith like he's a guy with some pedigree former second round pick i believe on the jets and he has kept like breaking his knee kept breaking his leg and he's finally healthy and we saw him get loose last week and so dallas is a 35 team total we can kind of have this conversation about new england as well too right because we're seeing unprecedented lines uh, as far mm-hmm. as dallas versus miami miami absolute trash obviously uh dallas what a 22 point favorite depending on where you look give or take but you know, we love those team totals. They pop 35 and New England kind of bring them into the conversation as well. Team total of 33 against a jet team that has a team total of less than 11. And it's sort of the push pull, the conversation of yes. And it's probably, it's a different conversation. I think for Dallas and it is for New England, just because the pie and New England, it's the pie that the pieces are much more difficult to figure out who gets what slice, but, but Dallas I think is a little more straightforward as far as the delegate delegation of targets and usage and things of that sort. But like, how do you handle that? Because you know, in theory, hypothetically, Miami could like be ahead 14, 13 and a half. Like that's a possibility or just down like 21 to, to, to 13. And like, you know, Dallas is playing their regular dudes and, you know, doing whatever they want against the Miami defense. It's terrible. And of course we know we tra- they traded away uh, another one of their young pieces earlier this week for a future pick uh, to Pittsburgh. Um, so like 35 point total, you know, Prescott's well positioned Elliot, you know, obviously he held out for a while. They kind of babied him the first week in theory, like if they need to, they, they can let him go like 25 touches or so. Uh, Cooper's a stud as well. So like, but what if Dallas is up 27, nothing at the half, I guess it's like, you sort of like have your lineups tell a story, I suppose, right. You either stack them or you don't, or how do you handle this basically is the question. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Dallas is up 27, nothing at the half, like, you know, I think there is reason to believe that a lot of those points will be distributed to the guys we like. Um, I, I think like, like you said, Dallas does feel like they have kind of a more condensed, uh, I guess, path to how their points can be scored as we're like New England doesn't, it feels like there's kind of more holes. And as far as how we can construct our lineups, like we, we really can blanket less of possible uh point scoring outcomes with new England than we can with Dallas. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like necessarily running from these games because they have such a high, uh, you know, spread. Like if, if Dallas does achieve that spread and I have Dallas guys, I would like to think that I'm getting the guys that give me a good chance to account for many of those Dallas points. Um, you know, as far as one versus the other, I think, like I said, like, you know, and, and as you've alluded to, like, yeah, it's just Dallas is, feels a little more condensed and probably a team I'm, I'm more inclined to uh, try to stack around because New England, we saw last week, I mean, New England blew out Miami. And granted, I mean, defense kind of putting up points is something that's really hard to account for unless you have that defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, New England is tough. They got three running backs that feasibly could score. 
Uh, you know, they, they, they haven't, they're not afraid to incorporate their fullbacks. Uh, they have kind of a plethora of receivers and like outside of Brady, there's not too many guys who you feel super confident with in terms of just capturing the lion's share of new England's, uh, you know, fantasy scoring. Yeah. If I were to have you guess like, Oh, Dallas has scored. Who, who do you think scored? You're probably going to get it right in the first or second guess. New England, it might take three, four or five guesses till you get there. And it, that's just a, it's kind of tricky for sure. And that's an interesting conversation as well, by the way, as far as, uh, as far as defense, but I, I do want to ask that. And let's just say that just for one second, because hypothetically, if you do stack Dallas, right, say you're stacking Dallas up and you have Dak and Elliot and Cooper or some kind of combination of that, in theory, you're supposed to run it back on the other side. <laughs> who do you who do you run it back with on Miami? If anybody, like, what do you do here? Yeah, I mean, I would probably look at one of their downfield receivers, and and I don't know. I mean, Miami has been so bad offensively in these blowout games. Like, it does feel like a spot where maybe you don't have to necessarily run run them back. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Preston Williams is priced down and 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 has looked effective so far uh Jakeen Grant is kind of you know it just takes like one you know downfield catch for him to uh you know have like a, have an impactful and kind of hit value game uh so I don't know those would probably be areas I, I look at um I don't know you would like to think that um you know Kenyon Drake would would factor in through the <laughs> passing game but he really hasn't so far so um I don't know that that's really a spot I would want to go but yeah I'm probably looking at Preston Williams or, or Jakeen Grant yeah I mean in 14 targets for Parker for what they're worth uh, not all targets are created equal his targets are created poorly being in the Dolphins but uh they are targets nonetheless and uh you know the variance the variance of defenses and I you know when the spot is just a nut matchup and we had that last week and it happened to work out point to the scoreboard and really it's just like a couple plays obviously you're you know, if you're shooting for the, uh, you know, the shutout, that's obviously great too, but it's the pick sixes. Uh, you know, the, those are the ones that really sting. Those are the ones that really, you know, shoot you to the top of the board, especially if they do it twice. And, you know, it, it's the highest variance position. Uh, you know, the opportunity should be there where, where the, you know, the offense, the opposing offense is down by several touchdowns. The defense knows you're going to be passing the ball. They can do it. They're all of a sudden, they know exactly how to defend you. A high pressure situation, yada, 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 more likely chances of turnovers and things of that sort. But yeah, yeah and then throw and then throw Josh Rosen back there, and uh, you really <laughs> yeah. you really have some good opportunity. <laughs> so like yeah, so like how uh, how much do you factor in variance? Because any defense, literally any defense, could be the highest scoring defense that week. Like that's possible, you know, in the realm of possibility. Uh, how much do you prioritize that? Or sometimes it's just like just find a cheap defense and you know have it correlate with your lineup in some way. Run it back with a running back or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think in cash, my, my preference is to pay down a defense because, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of defense's value is going to come from these one or two high variance plays. And, uh, yeah, I mean, paying like an extra 2000 like nearly $2,000 to get up to, say, Dallas defense, to me just feels like it could be, uh, from kind of a mean or medium projection standpoint, be better spent elsewhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you have kind of these spots where there is clearly like higher opportunity to, um, you know, for these like high variance plays, I mean, I, I think like in tournaments, you got to take some shots with some of these uh, defenses that are in a really great spot. Um, so I don't know, I, I think given the amount of just high value or, or high kind of high spend skill players we have on the slate this week. I'll probably in cash want to spend down at defense to make room for some of those guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely in tournament lineups, I'll, I'll be uh, incorporating some of those, uh, 
you know, defenses that are in that great spot. And a lot of, a lot of times for me, it's like versus like, you know, wants versus needs. Like I want to roster the New England defense. I want to roster the Dallas defense. Do I need to? Well, it all depends on how loose or how tight the salary cap happens to be that week. Everything's sort of specific. And I know it's not a great, you know, answer. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to give just a general overarching thought on that, but uh, it's trying to figure out what to prioritize depending on what the slate gives you. Uh, and speaking of all those great players, we're going to be talking about in just a second. We do want to do a, a quick, uh, quick little screen share. You want to show off some of the apps, some of the tools there at Advanced Sports Analytics. Uh, go ahead and take over and show the people uh, what are we looking at here as far as uh, the screen right, right now. Yeah, so you know, I wanted to run through. I think in some of the prior shows, we've been showing these screen shares of applications that we've built at ASA, um, and kind of not really taking time to discuss what they're showing or, or how really they could be used. I mean, I think our goal is not really uh, to produce tools that just say like, Hey, you know, this is the play, like this is, you know, the, the optimal play, but rather provide tools that, uh, you know, produce metrics and information that players can kind of deploy, uh, how they best see fit and incorporate into their strategy. And, uh, yeah, we got some feedback, just people wondering, you know, not really understanding how to use the tools. So, so I wanted to kind of just do like, uh, maybe some walkthroughs with a couple of the tools just to give the viewers a feel for, what it is they're looking at when these tools are shown and kind of the outputs of them are shown in this show. And uh, if they are interested in kind of exploring them on their own, giving them kind of the, uh, you know, head start to do so. Uh, so one that I find myself looking at a lot is this uh, volume efficiency app, which um, I think is really good for evaluating the touch volume that our skilled players get and just the efficiency and, you know, their fantasy production per touch. And I find that to be pretty useful uh, so we actually just looked at the Philadelphia uh, receiving core. So I guess that's, you know, a good example we can go back to. Uh, I think it's just a relevant one for this week. Um, so kind of the first place to start is just searching for the players you want. You can search, you know, by player name, um, or I find myself often just like searching by team and positional unit. And uh, there's also date filtration. So uh, right now it's defaulted to go all the way back to 2018. But as we progress through 2019, uh, you can start to, you know, slide up kind of the, the, the tail end of that window. So you're looking at only this year. Um, yeah. And then it produces a, a tabular output of some of the metrics that we, we might want to look at. Um, and you can kind of select which columns you want to look at uh, in this table columns drop down menu. And a lot of them are, are going to be kind of volume based MS being like market share. So, you know, I've pulled up like red zone market share and target market share. Uh, you can also just do like overall touch market share. Uh, you know, if you're looking at running backs and like want to look at, uh, you know, uh, rush attempts inside the five yard line, maybe you want to see like which running backs are kind of going to be most heavily featured in this goal line role. Uh, you can start to add those in. And um, yeah, you know, it's just a good way to kind of sort on players to get a feel of, you know, what players pop from a volume standpoint. So, uh, you know, as we discussed, like uh, some of the guys that are going to be out for, for Philadelphia are some of their more, you know, high volume players, Jeffrey, in terms of, you know, target volume and, uh, you know, I'm sorry. And Deshaun Jackson uh, just gets a lot of air yards market share. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of a good way to, to, uh, you know, find as we kind of like, I tend to work, uh, you know, macro like offense that I want to plan around. And then once I kind of have like a stack in mind or a team in mind that I want to be playing, uh, go to the player level to identify you know, which players I want to play and kind of what, uh, you know, what features I want to, 
you know, build a stack around. So, uh, you know, maybe I, I am looking for kind of an air yard stack where I want to, you know, pair a quarterback with the guy who I just think has like the most, or kind of the highest probability of just making like a big play. Um, or, you know, maybe I want to look at a guy pairing a quarterback with a guy who I think has like two or three touchdown uh, potential and, you know, want to sort on uh, red zone market share. Um, so, you know, going back to Philly, we see like Ertz is a guy who tops Philly's receiving core in a number of these, uh, you know, metrics, but, but really right behind them, you know, these two guys are going to be out. And, and, and I certainly think it's a good way to figure out, uh, you know, in the absence of who, of these guys kind of what players most emulate their mold. Uh, so, so I do like kind of Mac Hollins as, uh, you know, this guy who, who is receiving, uh, you know, similar target share to, to, uh, you know, Deshaun Jackson and Jeffrey, and then also kind of figures in the air yards, uh, you know, Philly's air yards attack in a prominent way. Um, and then we also have like, so that's the volume component of it. And then there is an efficiency component, which, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, I find myself kind of looking at more with running backs, uh, just understanding. So a guy like I've just, you know, we, we know has been really great so far as Austin Eckler. And, uh, you know, we have this uh, fantasy points per touch column where we can just see like how much Austin Eckler pops compared to, you know, some other guys who, uh, you know, get, get good volume, but just like don't have quite the efficiency um, that some of these other players have. And, uh, you know, I find it a, a good way to uh, just sort and especially identify guys who, uh, you know, are efficient per touch and like given a, larger volume maybe you're in a really good opportunity to explode um so you know i think one guy like that maybe could we could be thinking about um to you know factor in with the absence of some of philly's players like miles sanders um who uh you know we think may like maybe philly makes up for their kind of passing volume by actually deciding to run the ball more um but i don't know i, I find that a hard play for me to get behind just given his really poor efficiency to date granted it's a small sample size but um you know so so i think you know this is kind of one way you can use the the efficiency component of the tool and you know this is the tabular output of the tool but we also have uh you know stuff in time series where i think it's just useful for looking at how players are trending over time uh so like i found myself today just looking uh you know at fournette versus derrick henry and uh you know how how i wanted to uh i forget how you spell derrick henry uh, you know, how, how I wanted to, you know, utilize my, uh, you know, captain role, um, I guess, uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I just was really struck in or struck by Derek Henry's efficiency in the last, you know, pretty much dating back to like midway through last year where he was just like this really terrible running back. And then, uh, to date he's been, uh, actually like a pretty efficient running back. Uh, so, so I think looking at things in time can be useful. And also, I mean, when you want to look at, uh, you know, players, not only from just a mean standpoint, but kind of understand what their ceiling and floor is. Uh, I think that can be useful. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, see with, see with McCaffrey, uh, you know, we can, we can take a look at kind of what his, his volume ceiling. He breaks floor. the volume. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, Oh yeah. He, <laughs> he, I mean, it, it's, like we talked about, I think last week where he was getting, he got like over 50% of touches week one. And it was like, what, you know, is this, is this like, uh, you know, just an outlier game for McCaffrey. And when you look at it, 
in time and kind of see what his volume ceilings have been in the past, like hitting 50% of, uh, you know, Carolina volume is not, not unreasonable. Uh, we have a similar tool for quarterbacks, a drop back efficiency app. I'm not going to spend that much time going over it because it's functionally more or less the same thing. Uh, we can do like one example that I really like. I, I actually kind of like looking at it for, uh, you know, defenses and trying to scheme quarterbacks. So one column that we have access to is uh, how often a quarterback gets sacked. So I actually was looking this morning at, uh, or I'm sorry, this afternoon at like what quarterbacks are, uh, you know, allow or getting sacked the most kind of for scheming for defense. And these were the three guys that that really jumped out. Um, You know, most, most quarterbacks are kind of in the like five to seven sack percent range. Um, But to like, you know, obviously Dallas is going to, you know, you don't need to find creative ways to find yourself at Dallas, but uh, <laughs> looking down at some of the lower defenses, I was actually interested to see that, uh, you know, Watson and Wilson are allowing so many sacks. Uh, so those are kind of defenses I was thinking about, um, you know, and it also has like scramble, uh, you know, how, how often players scramble, um, you know, it could be useful when you're trying to think about like quarterback floors produced by their legs. Uh, you know, I think is an interesting application of the tool and, uh, you know, also has like your standard kind of efficiency stuff, fantasy points per drop back and such. Uh, so, but yeah, I won't spend too much time on that. The last one, uh, I think. Just out of curiosity, should... what do you have for Mayfield? Because uh, I got a bad, I mean, I think we all want that game on Sunday night to be fun. I got a bad feeling that's going to be like a, a kind of a sloppy defensive game. Like I don't want that to be it, but that, that Cleveland O-line is like not very good, right? That's, a, that's, that's probably going to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't get sacked that much like I think five percent's quite low uh let's see oh, this is scramble percent but this year oh yeah it's interesting so like his sacks have been way up in the first two games this year you know so this is where I think like the time series uh feature of the chart is really useful like he has hit you know these, these pretty high sack rates of uh eight percent and what is he at here 11 11 and a half percent um so, you know, if we think these are flashes in the pans, you know, that's something. But if we, you know, if we think that, like, these data points are kind of indicative of a trend, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, something to keep an eye on. Um, but historically, dating back to last year, he doesn't get sacked a ton. Um, but but he has been taking sacks at a higher rate this year. And tell the people if they want to find that app, how they're going to find it. Yeah, so it's on the Advanced Sports Analytics website. Um, advanced sports analytics.com and we have uh you know our drop down menu from the top we have nfl tools nba tools mlb pga uh pga is the only sport where we have like a true optimization algorithm in place but it's something kind of we're working towards with football and basketball um i don't know i've always like felt like football isn't really the best sport that you know lends itself towards algorithm like truly algorithmic projection just because there's so many kind of high variance variables that come into play where I like, I, I've really enjoyed kind of the, uh, you know, machine learning algorithms for golf, which, you know, has the, you know, just fewer like environment variables that you want to consider for. It's really just like, you know, players and what they excel at and what the course allows historically. Um, but, you know, I, I digress. Um, and the last one that Brandon, Brandon's talked about at length uh, is our distribution app. This is like kind of the oldest app we've had for, you know, three years now. And um, it's just a, uh, 
you know, a good way to look at players kind of distributionally. Like I think we see so many projections focusing on, uh, you know, meme, meme projections. And uh, I definitely think like for tournaments in particular, it's really important to not really consider guys like just at their median, but, but also like what is their ceiling, what's their floor. So like, uh, you know, I, I kind of was looking at quarterbacks. I remember from last week and like Brady is a guy who, historically has a pretty tight projection um and you know that's good for cash but like you can see he just doesn't have so so these are like these little vertical lines are just percentile marks for uh you know Brady is historically like 30 or you know 30 points is his 95th percentile performance like the guy just doesn't really have access these days to you know massive like you know 35 40 point games or a guy like golf whose median is actually lower than Brady's you know, does historically have access to like this super high ceiling, uh, but also possess more risk, you know, more floor, more of a floor than a guy like Brady. So, yeah, I mean, I think a pivotal tool, if you're, if you're a really big GPP player and uh, trying to target guys, not necessarily who have the highest mean projection, but who have like a really high ceiling, uh, you know, under the right circumstances. So um, yeah, those are the three I'm going to highlight today. We also, have kind of more macro game tools that project like uh, point, dis- point expected point uh, distributions, uh, play count projections for like how many run pass plays and like air yards a team will throw. Uh, I think are also useful for uh, you know game stacking and such. Yeah, you want those boom bust guys. You want the bell curves. You don't want the plateau necessarily. Maybe more, maybe more so for your cash games. But that's a that's a pretty interesting way as far as uh, attacking cash games as opposed to uh, cashing a. Uh, attacking tournaments you know you want the guys you know the big swings <laughs> you know uh, ricky bobby style right if you're not gonna win first take last who really cares <laughs> yeah yeah uh, definitely like looking for those guys with kind of that long right tail who their most probable outcome isn't that great but their you know 90th percentile outcome is just like really really incredible uh amari cooper for the longest time was kind of like a pr- prototypical <laughs> guy of that build I think he was always good, like on like slates that didn't count. It was like on, like Thursday nighters or some kind of goofy stuff. But I mean, counted, but not like on the main slate. But nonetheless, all right. We promise here we're going to go around the you know hitting the, our favorite plays position by position. We talked about some quarterbacks already. Some of the dudes we haven't talked about, of course, that Kansas City Baltimore game. That is like the feature game of the weekend, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, they are both expensive as far as the quarterbacks there, Jackson and Mahomes, but they're also both uh, been very very good. They've been incredible, uh, excellent fantasy point uh, point guys as well. Uh, Winston. Uh, maybe he, this is the spot where he finally gets right, but he's been bad so far. Obviously, you mentioned the boom bust guys, and like Allen certainly falls into that conversation for me. Uh, Kyler Murray, like he's still really cheap, and he hasn't been spectacular. He's still putting up you know three three hundred yard games, and uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to get like a ridiculous game out of him soon. And like if you even look ahead as his upcoming schedule, it's awesome. I know DFS we don't care about three weeks from now, but just a guy to keep an eye on for sure. But you know, amongst the quarterbacks that we haven't talked about, who, who are we looking at? Who's popping for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, if for me, it starts with Dak. Uh, like, I, I think it's always a pretty strong, you know, position to just anchor to expected points at quarterback. And, uh, like, Dallas is just expected to score so much. We have uh, them projected as, like, a 25% chance of topping the slate in terms of, you know, real points scored. So I think that's, like, an excellent guy to anchor to in cash. Um, and I mean, even in tournaments, if, if we think like so much ownership is going to be on, you know, Jackson and Mahomes, like I think he's a, you know, small step down that, I, I mean, I think it's just an incredible spot. Uh, 
you know, Jackson Mahomes, Mahomes definitely intrigued me and they are in a great environment. Um, I, I mean, I just have to expect like Jackson's passing efficiency to uh, regress at some point. Like he is just on, you know, the last two weeks have been just like all time high kind of fantasy point per drop back games for him. And I, I can't really expect him to continue that, but I was really impressed and, uh, you know, happy to see him, uh, you know, re-engaging in the running game which he didn't do week one um so i think yeah i mean both those guys are in great spots um yeah james is the guy you touched on down low uh he hasn't been very effective so far but you know he's a guy who historically has these peaks and valleys and i probably would be staying away from him in cash just because you know the the valley game for him is a real possibility but uh yeah, he's in a good spot. I mean, I think Tampa Bay projects as like our fourth most probable team to uh, lead the slate in scoring at like 5%, which I know doesn't sound that high, but really isn't that bad given, you know, we have kind of the full no buy uh, 12 game slate. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's an area I'm looking. Uh, Carson Wentz, I, I, I kind of wonder if maybe there'll be ownership off Carson Wentz because of all these injuries, but um, Doug Peterson's always run a pretty pass happy offense and um you know i i, I think you know wentz wentz is a strong quarterback and, and he seems to be priced down um you know also the guy across from him matt stafford shows you know the ability to put up these big games and uh he's priced down um yeah those are the guys i'm looking at and then as we discussed at the top of the show uh kyle allen at four thousand, i think he's an interesting play and uh you know, he doesn't really have to do much to hit value for you. And, you know, you could pair him with, uh, you know, some of those, some of those, uh, you know, Carolina receivers. I think Brad- CMC is the guy I want to pair him with. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or CMC. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully get, you know, the kind of a short passing uh, touchdown or something uh, down close. Uh. You're rostering Winston, uh, who you're pairing him with, because I mean, Godwin's been everything. The preseason hype is like, you know, said he was going to be Evans has not been spectacular. Small sample sizes all around. And, you know, OJ Howard's been an absolute disaster so far. Um, I mean, I guess the book says, you know, you're probably supposed to play Evans versus Godwin for playing the ownership game. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I I've been running more Evans than Godwin and it hasn't really been working well, yeah. but now that the price is down and like you said, you know, you kind of expect ownership to swing. Uh, yeah. I, I would probably be looking for kind of a contrarian stack uh, like with Evans or OJ Howard. Um, I mean, OJ Howard's been, you know, put up a donut last week, but uh, I mean, the guy's super talented and, uh, you know, historically granted, you know, it's kind of a different OC and coach, but historically he's been a big piece of, you know, Tampa Bay's kind of red zone approach. So uh, yeah, I mean, if ownership's going to be low on Howard, I I mean, I wish I would, you know, his price would be down a little more. Uh, I think, you know, he's been so bad, but he's still kind of hovering at three, eight where, uh, you know, there's maybe some other guys I might want to consider, but uh, yeah, I think Evans uh, probably is a guy I'd be looking at. Kind of jumping around by positions, but since we're having that conversation, like sometimes, you know, it feels like there's a strong opportunity to cost the tight end this week. You know, we talked about how Ertz is probably going to see even more uh, looks this week. Most likely his price is pretty fair. Kittle is a pretty fair price against Pittsburgh. Uh, Ingram is priced down to a good degree as well. And, you know, Kelsey's in that shootout along with Andrews going back and forth and, you know, I'm happy to, to punt tight end when I, when I need the, when I need the pennies, when I need the funds, but I, I feel like there's a big opportunity cost. I feel like it's even possible. I don't think it's a crazy idea to play two to play one in the flex this week, just because the tight end pool is pretty strong. It's really concise as well. Um, 
So I'm just nervous. Howard is priced down. He's 3.8K on DK. Uh, but again, if he, if he donuts once again, you can't survive that because yeah. if say Kelsey flops, sure. But like, if not Kelsey Ertz, if not Ertz, Kittle, a couple of these guys are going to go off and somebody else wrong to be mentioning is going to do something pretty big. So like, how, how are you handling that? It's a, a big risk award for Howard. And there was some coach speak about him. The coach said like play better essentially, <laughs> which is that, I mean, maybe that's a motivational tool who knows, but uh yeah so i don't know i i'm very nervous to click on howard but that price is somewhat tempting at three eight yeah i mean i i i probably will be kind of at the higher end i i really like Ertz. i mean i think he's just going to garner so much attention and uh i don't know i guess i'm kind of expecting fairly even uh ownership between uh Ertz and kelsey and and i i think i kind of like Ertz more on a per dollar basis uh, Kittle, yeah, is, is at a pretty compelling price as well. And, uh, you know, speak, we were talking about Kyle Allen not that long ago, but I think Greg Olson's at a pretty compelling price at 3.7. And uh, Arizona, we know, is a team that can be beat at tight end. Um, you know, so I think that's kind of one guy I would look at if I was trying to pay down at tight end. Uh, who, who are you looking at if uh, you're going to go kind of low at tight end? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's Olsen versus Howard. And, like, I'll get the same speech I'll give about Frank Gore. I have no interest in rostering Greg Olsen in the old vacuum in 2019. But, you know, he's probably not going to be any healthier. Uh, the matchup is perfect. Like, in theory, if we, you know, the, the, the new quarterback gets, a, you know, the safety blanket that is the tight end, that's just kind of like a general thought. I would, I'm curious to see uh, what his targets were last season. But he probably wasn't even on the team last season, week 16, week 17. There was some yeah. tight end. I mean, he, he gets decent looks like, uh, you know, dating back to last year, he's getting almost 17% of red zone targets. Um, you know, it's a, like, uh, yeah, Greg Olson gets looks. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm not, a, you know, if you can stack uh, Kyle Allen, Greg Olson, CMC, uh, I don't know if you, you know, you could probably find a way into going like CMC and Elliot. I think like a lot of mm-hmm. people are going to be stuck with, um, you know, making the decision between CMC or Elliot. Like if you go Allen Olsen, you all of a sudden can go CMC and Elliot. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, crazy at all. And be kind of an interesting uh, low price stack. And I mean, Arizona's defense and kind of their offensive pace, I think provides for a pretty, fr- and, and Carolina, I think plays pretty up tempo too. So I think, uh, you know, that's not like a, you know, offense that can't support, uh, I think, like a kind of two-player stack uh, or a three-player, you know, two-receiver, uh, three-player stack. You seen what, nine targets the first two uh, first two games, the first of the season as far as Olsen. I'll take nine targets for 3.7K. But again, like, I, I want to spend at tight end. And like, I think the best dollar-for-dollar dollar play, I think you said it as well, is Ertz on the assumption that all his dudes are going to be out, even if Goddard's out of all his guys. You know, Ertz gets enough volume as is. He's probably going to see you know, de- depending on how the game is going and yada, yada, but like potentially 15 targets his way. Uh, I love Kelsey. Uh, and, and I think Andrews is a legit talent as well too, but dollar for dollar, it's probably Ertz as far as the best play. And you, you mentioned the the potential quandary as far as this week. And this is why I think guys like Barkley and Kamara are going to be lost because people are going to first look to roster running backs uh, at the elite end, as far as CMC McCaffrey or, or Elliott versus the Dolphins. And it's the same sort of question as like, you know, if, if Dallas is up 27 nothing, and of course, they can be up 27 nothing, and Elliott can have 150 yards and two touchdowns at the half. Like, that's absolutely plausible. But you'd think that they would probably push back to some degree on him, like, even though we already got there. But if it didn't happen that way, if Cooper caught a touchdown, if they had a defensive touchdown, and Zeke set, like, 17 touches, or not even, like, 12 touches, and 
80 yards and a touchdown. That might be it. And then all of a sudden it's Tony Pollard time <sighs> for that reason. <laughs> and also like, you know, CMC plays every down. I will take CMC, CMC over uh, Elliot. What say you? Um, I don't know. I'm probably leaning a bit more towards Elliot. Uh, I think kind of his volume is trending up. He's becoming more incorporated in the Dallas offense and uh yeah, I don't know. I just think there there's going to be more points to be scored there. Um, so I don't know. I, I would probably give us like if I had to choose one slight edge to Elliot, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm not not you know. The other part of that argument is Dallas is probably going to be much. I mean, they're probably going to be more efficient. <laughs> you know, that's just like almost definitely they're going to be more more efficient against Miami. Uh, so you got efficiency on your side, if nothing else. Uh, Cook, certainly on my radars, guys. By the way, I, I do have a – I put up the ownership, and just for curiosity, we'll throw it out there. This is super, super early uh, as far as the ownership projection. It will change the closer and closer we get to lock. But uh, as of right now, we're talking tight ends earlier. Kelsey, this is DK-specific at 14%. Andrews, 13 Olsen, 11 Ertz, 10 I think Ertz goes higher personally. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's condensed basically is the point. Nobody's really standing out as, like, this is the chalk, quote-unquote chalkiest play of that group. It's all basically one grouping. And uh, as always, basically, is the case as far as quarterbacks. Uh, we had uh, what, Lamar Jackson at 13%, uh, Murray at 10 11%, Mahomes at 9 to 10%. It never gets too out of hand because you can only roster one of those guys unless we have a really, really goofy salary and, you know, all the optimals are spitting out the same guy. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case this week. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't flip out too much as far as ownership of, uh, you know, of quarterbacks. Yeah, are, are you expecting running back to be kind of the most condensed uh ownership position yeah i mean and all that all this is sort of dependent upon like the opening up of salaries as far as you know within philadelphia where Aguilar is going to be probably the most popular player on the slate uh under the assumption that the philadelphia guys are out and as of right now i'm seeing is i'm seeing mccaffrey at 27 percent and elliot 24 percent at one two and like you said basically people we, we put to the test pick one of those two guys and then as far as the next tier, uh you know is eckler and, and cook and they're at, what, 18 17%. And that all sort of checks out and makes sense to me with Carson and then Mac right there kind of riding it out as far as other guys. And then we get the, you know, Barkley at 13%. And I think David Johnson's pretty interesting at 12%. Uh, on Johnson, they released A.J. Anderson. But does that mean they're going to release on Johnson? Because, like, I want, like, you know, I want him to have 70% of the touches. Are we going to get that? I don't know. It's interesting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you certainly would like to see that. Uh, the talent's definitely there for carry on both on the ground and through the air. But uh, I don't know. I've been reading that you know they're they're gonna use kind of this guy Ty Johnson to continue to yeah, just like encroach on carry on's potential volume. So um, you know, if, uh, if if you if you can't project just like the, you know huge volume for carry on. Um, I think it becomes tougher to play him, but yeah, I mean, if, 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 if kind of you're projecting ownership to be down, um, I think, you know, it could be an interesting pivot uh, for sure. You have like an under the radar running back this week. That's sort of interesting to you. Uh, Connor was dinged, looks like he's going to give it a go uh, as of right now, at least he looks like he's going to play Sunday. You know, we mentioned guys fighting for to get on the field and that's the most important thing. And you're talking about volume and efficiency. You know, I, what's going on in green bay like why can't they just play aaron jones like isn't he i mean look i'm not a football coach i don't know these things but he looks to me like he's the best player i think the math says he's the best player in comparison to what jamal williams uh it is a long season and i guess you know maybe they're pacing him out who really knows what's going on there but it's frustrating if you're rostering aaron jones and 
you know, he's playing 60% of the snaps or whatever. I want more. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a guy who you would love to see uh, get more touches. And I, I mean, I think at home uh, he's in a pretty good spot to, I think, roll the dice on um, in tournaments. Uh, you know, he, he uh, is clearly the superior back there. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy, I think I'll, I'll be playing a, a good, a good bit of uh, in tournaments, but uh, yeah, I mean, just given kind of, volume concerns it does kind of become hard to roster him uh like in, in cash games uh historically running backs again against Atlanta is definitely a thing especially when it comes to receptions you like that in full PPR uh Marlon Mack is he somebody that's popping for you this week yeah I I think uh you know you can play some of him I know historically like Indianapolis has kind of used Mack strictly as the ground guy and Naheem Hines as the air guy um so I don't know, but we haven't haven't really been following Mac or I'm sorry, uh, Naheem Hines that closely this year. Has he been uh, like fat? He, he hasn't really been getting that much field time, has he? Uh, I don't have the the snaps up in front of me right now. That that's something you know. We were talking pre-show, and I was like, yeah, I, I like to fully dig in, like on Friday and on Saturday, as far as the snaps and touches. And I'm sure we can, we can give like a uh, a look, like and just see what he's like been thrown his way which is that's something that's better than nothing. But you're right. Like he's a guy that's been their third down back. He's been the guy that kind of like if they're down, he's more likely to be in there. Maybe the two minute offense, you know, he's more likely to be in there as well. And just as far as uh, the receptions this year hasn't been spectacular, just targeted, you know, six times through two games. So I don't know if that's like game, but you know, game specific or if it's a new plan, but in my head, he's still like the third down guy, not every yeah. down, but you know, in, in theory going forward. Yeah, it, he's like one of those guys who historically has su- succeeded kind of under very specific uh, game conditions. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. His his target share is, I don't know, about where it was last year, maybe down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Could could be a guy worth keeping an eye on. Or, or you know, just play Mac and, and kind of uh, figure that maybe his, uh, you know, his, uh, you know, I guess uh, involvement in the past game uh, could be, could be up like just due to, uh, you know, uh, be, the Atlanta matchup. Um, I mean, he, he, he didn't get any targets game one at look or week one, it looks like, and his week two uh, got 11% of Indianapolis targets, which uh, I don't know, it's kind of up over what historically his average has been uh, dating back to last year. So uh, I don't know, it could, could be a good spot to fire on Mac. Um, because yeah, that that matchup is pretty great for for him. Yeah, he just might get twenty five carries too, and that, that's certainly possible as well, uh, depending on how that game goes down. And like, I think it's basically a coin toss according to Vegas on the turf. I like the turf as well, uh, you know, especially for his teammate T. Y. Hilton. And that's kind of an interesting segue into the receivers. But I did want to ask: we kind of glossed over uh, Eckler versus Cook. Do you have a take on those guys? Because you know they're both look like really strong plays to me. You know, Eckler getting all that all that volume there that's available now. Uh, and Cook, you know, home favorite, should be well-positioned to have, to have some fun this week. Yeah, I, I, I probably will side with Eckler. Uh, their their volume, uh, I think, seems similar. Maybe you can project uh, Dalvin for a little more uh, – a little more volume uh, just because, you know, he's very clearly lead back and there is kind of Justin Jackson creeping behind Eckler. But, I don't know, Eckler's done a good job of kind of holding off uh, – Jackson and and you know I don't know I'm just looking actually weeks one and two and like Davin Cook isn't that far far ahead of Eckler in terms of uh, touch volume and uh, you know Eckler's just efficiency is 
so good. I mean, I don't know, week, week one, we saw kind of a, a massive explosion and uh, week two, his efficiency was about in line per touch with Dalvin. Uh, and it was probably driven down by kind of a goal line fumble, which, uh, you know, that's kind of just a, a lump you take and, you know, figure that was a really good opportunity for, again, for him to kind of increase, uh, you know, his per touch efficiency. And, and he did it against, you know, a Detroit team, which I think is going to try to slow down the game. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm kind of siding towards Eckler and especially given uh, the price discount that that's kind of the guy I want to go with. I don't think it's the clock, but I do want to you know, touch that briefly as far as receivers We promised some receiver conversation. Uh, and we, we mentioned it throughout the show, you know, uh, Aguilar is probably going to be super popular, you know, from a cash game perspective, assuming that the chips fall where we're expecting as far as Philadelphia and those injuries. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, Allen just seems too cheap. Allen just, you know, he's just got so many targets his way. 7K on DK probably should be close to the 8K range. Uh, like there's so many options to pick from, so many different places to pivot as far as tournaments, you know, with Beckham and Adams and Cooper, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Julio as well, once again in a dome, despite the fact he's on the road. I don't know what to do with Antonio Brown. I think he had a, what did he have, like eight, eight looks last week and like 24 snaps. Like I don't know, and it's New England and who knows what other situations he has going on. But like you can't just X him out. Yeah, it's worth a conversation. Well, give me some receivers that are popping for you. Yeah, I mean, a, a well that I've kind of been going back to a lot early this year, John Brown, I think is just in like the perfect kind of scheme for him. Like Allen's a guy who wants to push the ball downfield. John Brown's a guy who wants to get downfield. And, you know, uh, that, that Buffalo coaching staff has been kind of deep, uh, like high A dot happy uh, coaching staff. So I think he, you know, the first two weeks has been in good matchups and I think draws another one here against Cincinnati. Uh, so that's a guy I, I like a lot and, uh, you know, ha- have liked in the early stages and, you know, his price really hasn't gone up a ton since last week. So I think he's in yet another good spot. Um, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the, you know, wanting to run some Philly guys and Philly is like a defense that we also kind of want to attack through the air. And, uh, I mean, I'm definitely intrigued by, by putting together some, uh, you know, Philly stacks around like their receivers and Wentz and attempting to run it back with like Galladay, I think is at a pretty decent price point this week. And, uh, you know, Detroit's kind of tough. They have a few, uh, you know, capable receivers where it kind of becomes a little difficult to figure out similar to like New England, where it's like, who's going to be the guy who's going to really have the big game. But uh, yeah, I like Galladay a decent amount, uh, particularly if we're going to stack, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, a couple cheapies are like mid-tier guys that are sort of popping for me. The Arizona side, uh, old, this has been an old man show. Like I swear I'm doing this show from like 2004 or something like that. I mentioned Frank Gore. We talked about Greg Olson. Uh, you know, Fitzgerald looks legit this year with that new offense there in Arizona. He seems too cheap. Teammate Kirk is interesting. And if you want to be super ambitious and you want to, you know, throw out a punt flyer, Bird's been on the field a lot and he's 3K on DK. Uh, I, you know, if you're, if you're scripting for tournaments, I think, you know, throw bird in that script, like, I don't know, 10% or whatever you want to do or however ambitious you want to be, uh, with your, with your flyers, as far as receivers, uh, anything else, any thoughts on those guys and maybe anybody else you want to throw out there before we step aside and get out of here. Yeah, no, I like that bird call. Um, you know, he, he's kind of, I've been toying with some lineups with him and he gives you the opportunity to really pay up for a, a few premier players at the running back or quarterback position. So yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, and yeah, it's a guy, uh, you know, probably be looking at a decent amount. We talked about those Dallas dudes as well, too. They're, you know, potentially on the cheap with Smith and maybe even Cobb. Again, another, 
yeah. elder statesman in the league to stick to stick with the theme of the show, I suppose. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me fill in. Uh, I had a good time. Enjoyed talking football in the middle of the week, which is something that I don't normally do. I do it at the beginning and I do it at the end. We did it to the middle of this week. Uh, we're expecting, I presume we're expecting a Brandon back next week. Yeah, I think he's uh, expected to come back. He uh, had something he was dealing with today, but um, yeah, we'll have him back next week. And uh, yeah, appreciate you stepping in. It's been a good show and uh, yeah, good luck this week. I enjoyed it. I hope the people up people out there enjoyed it as well one last time tell them where they can find your stuff as far as advanced sports analytics yeah i mean as the name uh is advanced sports analytics.com uh you know you can look us up by url or search us on google uh if you got any questions you know you can reach out to us on social media social media at adv sports a-n-a-l-y um or you know through our email which you can find on the site because i know some of the tools uh maybe require some explanation or kind of uh, customer support. And we're definitely happy to, uh, you know, provide some, some support there and help you guys uh, use the tools kind of to your best ability. So uh, yeah, those are good ways to reach us. Thanks for watching everyone. He's Stuart. I'm Dean. Good luck this week. As far as week, week, week three in the NFL, we're out of here. Holler. <laughs>